Hello, I'm Alec, and this is Scandal 101. I can proudly say this week, (laughs) I don't know if it's proud, but I don't have any tree stories. However, I have this succulent bowl kind of by my window and they are thriving. I have a string of pearls and some other one that I got from Trader Joe's and it is growing great. I know you were all super worried about that. (laughs) Oh boy, thanks for tuning in. As for a scandal update, kind of two that I've seen in the news, I just saw that either today or yesterday, uh, the Supreme Court rejected an appeal for Volkswagen on on some part of the emission scandal. So if you haven't listened to that and you want to know about that, uh, I did an episode on it a while ago or a two-part episode, but the Supreme Court rejected an appeal. And then unfortunately... Uh, As of two days ago, so today's Wednesday the 17th, as of two days ago, there was a 10th victim from the Astroworld concert in Texas with Travis Scott, and the victim was a nine-year-old boy, which just horrible. He was in a coma for his injuries and unfortunately passed away uh, on Monday of this week. So really, look, it's just the horror from that concert is only growing and it will be interesting to see how this continues to play out. And I think that's really all I wanted to talk about before we dive into this episode. As you know from the title, this is another Hollywood scandal. Um, This one is about Charlie Chaplin, which he was briefly mentioned in the last Hollywood scandal I did talking about Fatty Arbuckle. If I'm remembering right, I'm pretty sure Charlie Chaplin was a mentor to Fatty Arbuckle. And I mean, Hollywood scandals are just so intriguing to look into. And I had heard some interesting things about Charlie Chaplin. So I wanted to look into that to see, (laughs) to learn more about it. And who boy, there is, there is quite a bit there. So without further ado, this is the Hollywood scandal of Charlie Chaplin. This first part is going to be some background of Charlie, and the information is coming from a Britannica article by Harold Erickson just discussing an overview of Charlie Chaplin's life. Charlie Chaplin was, quote, a British comedian, producer, writer, director, and composer who was widely regarded as the greatest comic artist of the screen and one of the most important figures in motion picture history, end quote. Charlie Chaplin, or otherwise known as Sir Charles Spencer Chaplin, a very, very distinguished name, he was born on April 16, 1889 in London, England. And when looking at his family, it seemed only natural that he would go into the entertainment business. His father, who he was named after, was a British music hall entertainer, and then his mother was a singer named Hannah Hall, and Charlie spent his early childhood with her. When Charlie was five years old, he went on to stage to fill in for his mother. I, I couldn't. I didn't really find any 
big details on that, but filling in for your mother at age five, quite quite a role there. And that was the first time that he was on stage. So from a young age, very clearly exposure to the entertainment business. And then unfortunately, his mother was committed to a an asylum after being deemed mentally unstable. So Charlie and his half-brother Sidney went to workhouses and residential schools at a young age. In 1897, so Charlie would have only been eight years old, he used his mother's show business contacts to become a professional entertainer at eight years old. That, <laughs> that's incredible. But also, I mean, it was a late 1800s, so eight-year-olds could, I mean, they could go work in a factory. I think that was still allowed at that time. So eight-year-olds were pretty much Roman-free doing whatever they wanted. <laughs> Um, he joined the eight Lang, oh boy, the eight Lancashire lads, a clog dancing act. And when I looked that up, I, it just brought me so much joy to think about a clog dancing act. I would, I would love to see, <laughs> to see that in the modern day setting. I'm sure that they exist around the world, but it's not something that at least that I don't think is in the society of the United States. He ended up having a small role in Sherlock Holmes and was in Casey's court circus for a bit, so he was really doing it all. And then in 1908, he joined the Fred Carnot pantomime troupe and gained stardom as the role of the drunk <laughs> in a sketch. And so that was in 1908, so he would have been... 19 or 20 at that time yeah so he's already had a lot of ex he's only 19 20 and he's been doing show business for over 10 years he's he's bound to find success in that arena he then started touring in the united states and got some screen time in some different projects but he was having trouble gaining success on the screen and he was ordered to create a better screen image he improvised quote an outfit consisting of too small of a coat, too large pants, floppy shoes, and a battered derby. As a finishing touch, he pasted on a postage stamp mustache and adopted a cane as an all-purpose prop, end quote. And his famous look, his famous ego, the look we all probably think of when we think of Charlie Chaplin, it was born out of the film Kid Auto Races at Venice, which was in 1914. And on social media, I'll post pictures of Charlie Chaplin, both young and old, but you can kind of picture the image that I think everyone thinks of, the top hat, the cane, the short little mustache, big grin, that's Charlie Chaplin. While he did play role, uh, did play other roles in movies, such as a waiter, a store clerk, a fireman, so many other roles, his famous look, which I learned was called the, the Tramp, was always the most appealing to audiences. And then months after his movie debut, he started on his role to become the biggest movie star in the world. In 1915, he accepted a $1,250 per week contract with Essanani. Whoa, hold on. Essan. <laughs> he. Okay, let me start over. In 1915, he accepted a $1,250 per week contract with SNA Studios, where he started to direct movies and he injected some emotion into the comedy that he was acting in. And then, of course, I calculated how much money that would be today because I was super interested. That today would be the equivalent of around $34,000 per week. Later, 
he got a bigger job where he was paid $670,000 per, per year, which in today's money is $18.3 million. And he was first attacked in the press uh, in 1917 because he had not enlisted to fight in World War I. And this press attack is definitely going to be a common thing for him <laughs> going forward. In response to this criticism, to help with the war effort, he started to raise money for troops via bonds. But one thing I was wondering was like, I wonder if he actually contributed his own money to that, but who knows. And then in 1918, he switched studios to then get paid $1 million per year, which in today's money is $27.3 million. So as we can see, this man is rich and powerful. And during this whole time, not only is he just making loads and loads of money, but he's starring in tons of movies, his face is everywhere, he's super famous, he's basically an unstoppable force. People love him, he has money to get things done. Not only is he the most famous movie star in Hollywood, but he's probably one of the most powerful people at the time. Okay, so that's who Charlie Chaplin is, and I wanted to give you a picture of not only who he is, but how much wealth, power, fame he had going into this next part. This next information comes from a Vice article by Lauren Euler. In the article, it reported that Charlie Chaplin himself estimated that he slept with about 2,000 women during his lifetime, which, okay, let's do some simple math. There are 365 days in a year, not counting leap year, so we'll just go with that number. If he really did sleep with that many people, that would take around 5.5 years sleeping with a different woman every night for five and a half years straight. Did he really sleep with 2,000 women? No one can be for sure. I mean, he was saying that about himself. Who knows? Um, if he did sleep with 2,000 women as long as it was consensual and they were adults, I mean, more power to you, like you do you. However, after going through this next line of topics, I think you might share the same concern that I have when he's bragging about that. So let's, let's get into it. A Daily Mail article by Peter Ackeroyd, published in 2014, talked more about his relationships with women. First, let's talk about what Charlie looked like. He was around five feet, five inches tall. Quote, his head was a little too large for his lithe and delicate body, end quote. And again, I'm going to post pictures so you can look at him. However, even though his head was maybe a little too big for his body, he was considered to be good looking with his quote, deep blue eyes, crinkly coal black hair, skin like ivory, neat white teeth, and lips that were firm and meaty, end quote, which meaty lips, what a, <laughs> what a description. He was asked in 1926 by Vanity Fair to describe his ideal woman, and he replied with, quote, I am not exactly in love with her, but she is entirely in love with me, end quote, which to me doesn't seem like the healthiest relationship. I would in I would think that if you're going to be 
in a relationship with someone, you would want the love to be equivalent. You both share mutual feelings. There's some give and take from both sides, but no, not for Charlie Chaplin. He was like, I'm not, I don't, I don't really think about being in love with her, but she's in love with me. That's my ideal woman. I personally see a little, <laughs> a little problem with that, but let's just uh, continue down this line. From the article, quote, Chaplin never really trusted women. He always feared loss and abandonment, slight and injury, and would indulge in paroxysms of jealousy uh, on the smallest provocation, end quote. This could perhaps be because of his mother. And if you'll remember, he spent part of his child, most of his childhood with his mother until she was uh, committed to a mental asylum. Charlie said that after his mother and his father had split, his mother had many affairs and in times of extreme poverty, quote, took to the streets. This was not unusual in working class South London, where women drifted in and out of prostitution to save their families, end quote. So growing up, according to Charlie's accounts, he saw his mother go out onto the streets and, you know, do sex work, which at the time was prostitu known as prostitution. I'm using the term sex work because it's more modern, but at the time he saw his mother prostituting, being a prostitute, and I'm sure that probably had some impact on his relationship with his mother and how he saw women. To what extent? I don't know. I didn't really research that, but just know that going in that from his accounts growing up, he did see his mother going out and doing sex work when he was at a young age. So that probably influences how he sees women. His first relationship was with a 19-year-old when he was 25. A little bit of an age gap there. She's 19, 20, he's 25, they're both adults. For me, a little bit a bigger age gap than I would be comfortable with, but, you know, whatever, do your thing, you're both adults, cool. And then also, remember, the last thing I want to say before I go into this, he is very famous, very rich, all of these things at the time. So he's at the point in his life where he's at the top of his game, famous, rich, well-known, powerful, all of that good stuff. Okay, so she was 19, he was 25. Her name was Edna, and they had first met after he placed an ad in the San Francisco Chronicle that read, quote, wanted the prettiest girl in California to take part in a moving picture, end quote. They were together for a while, but because of his intense work schedule, both directing and starring in movies, as well as having to edit some things, she eventually left him. In 1918, when Charlie Chaplin was 29, he quickly forgot about Edna when he met 16-year-old child actress Mildred Harris at a party. Why? Who knows? Why is a 16-year-old at a party? What kind of party was it? I don't know, but whatever. He sent her bouquets of roses and would often wait outside in his car of where, outside of where she was filming, and they eventually became lovers. 16 is a child, and he's 29, so 13 years uh, age difference. I mean, if the age difference doesn't bother you, cool, but the fact that she's a child, that in my mind is more bothersome because she's a child. <laughs> And if you want to know about child marriage, go listen to the other episode that I did about that. So they became lovers, and then Mildred informed him that she was pregnant. Uh-oh. <laughs> he did not want the responsibility of a child 
But more importantly, he didn't want a scandal to ruin his image because, surprise, surprise, an adult got a child pregnant. That's not very good. There was a quiet wedding and they eventually moved into a really beautiful home. But shortly after moving into this home, it became evident that Mildred was not pregnant. From what I read, she could have misread her symptoms or maybe she was lying to Charlie so they could get married. Either way, she wasn't pregnant. So they're married at this point. They're in marriage bound together and Charlie provided Mildred with quote her own chauffeur servants and unlimited credit at the shops but he was irritable and moody in her company and gave nothing of himself end quote basically the way I like to think about that is it was a money-filled loveless marriage Charlie was willing to give basically everything to Mildred money cars, credit at the shops, but you want time with Charlie, you want love from Charlie, nope, sorry, not happening here today. Then, all of a sudden, she really was pregnant, but unfortunately this pregnancy did not create the loving relationship that you would hope to find in a marriage. While she was pregnant, she was hospitalized for three weeks for a nervous breakdown, and then while she was pregnant with Charlie's child, Charlie was having affairs with other women. Hey, Charlie, honey, my name's Mildred. I'm pregnant with your baby. Oh, Mildred, that's so cool. I'm going to go sleep with some other women. <laughs> I probably probably wasn't that <laughs> probably wasn't that conversation, but that's what's happening. Eventually, Mildred gave birth to the baby, but unfortunately, the baby boy died 3 days later from uh, malformed intestines. Quote Charlie was inconsolable for a day or two, but then moved out of the house and took up permanent residence at the Los Angeles Athletic Club, end quote. So he was sad for about two days and then was like, peace out, Mildred, I'm moving out, which he was probably still sad, but who knows? He moved out two days after that had happened. In 1920, Mildred filed for divert, filed for <laughs> diverse, filed for divorce, citing cruelty. She said that if she invited her friends over, he wouldn't come home, quote, he was short-tempered, impatient, and treated me like a creatine, end quote, is what she said about the marriage. His next relationship was with Peggy Hopkins Joyce, who was an adult, thank goodness, who had, quote, married five millionaires and had the word gold digger invented in her honor, end quote, which, I mean, you know what, Peggy? Get your money, <laughs> they had met while working on the set of The Pilgrim, and apparently, during the first meeting, she asked him, quote, Charlie, is it true what all the girls say, that you're hung like a horse? <laughs> oh, you know what, Peggy? She's trying to get her money. She's trying to get down to business, and mad respect to Peggy for knowing what she wants. So they never got married or anything, but that was a relationship that he had, and I just wanted to throw that in there because Peggy, what a character. Next up was, unfortunately, not an adult, but another child. 15-year-old actress Lita Gray, who was in his film The Gold Rush. Quote, During filming in the Sierra Nevada, Chaplin casually announced to Lita that when the time and place were, were right, we're going to make love. He fulfilled his wish some weeks later in the steam room of his home in Beverly Hills, end quote. Again, he... Uh, why, why children? 
Like, <laughs> she's 15. And I mean, yes, she's an actress. Like, she's doing her own thing. But that doesn't matter because she's a child still. She's 15 and you're an adult. Over 30, I think, at that point. So someone presumably half your age. That it, ugh, just gives me the yuck, yuckies. <laughs> it's just so gross. You can guess what happens. She gets pregnant. Charlie suggested that she gets an abortion, but Lita's Catholic mother rejected that idea. Quote, He then suggested that a willing young man be chosen as her husband on payment of a dowry of $20,000, end quote, and this was also turned down. And guess what? He could have faced charges of sex with a minor and 30 years of imprisonment, so he decided the best solution here? To marry her. Here's the thing maybe don't have sex with children. There you go. He said, quote, I was stunned and ready for suicide that day when Lita told me she didn't love me and that we must marry, end quote. Which, okay, Charlie, here's the thing. You said that your ideal woman would love you and you wouldn't necessarily love her. So how does it feel when a woman is like, nope, I don't love you, but we're going to get married? probably doesn't feel super great. Maybe you shouldn't have sex with children. <laughs> and maybe rethink a little bit about how you want your relationships to look because now you know what it feels like. They got married in Mexico in secret and then while there, he called his new bride a little whore. Really classy, Charlie. Thank you so much. On a train back to California from Mexico, he stood on a platform with Lita and said to her, quote, this would be a good time to put an end to your misery. Why don't you jump? End quote. So clearly we're dealing with someone who is a really loving, affectionate husband, who knows how to communicate well, and has a healthy expectation for what his love life is supposed to look like. Not. <laughs> it's Charlie. What? what the hell? Like, <laughs> why? Why are you saying these things? Why? Just why? Later on in their marriage, Lita again becomes pregnant and his behavior becomes more erratic. Quote, he started taking up to eight showers per day. He installed a listening device in Lita's bedroom and patrolled the grounds of their house at night with his pistol. End quote. So clearly something is not going well with Charlie. Who knows what it is, but something, something's not, something's not right there. Lita eventually filed for divorce, and she said that he pulled a gun on her, tried to make her have an abortion, and, quote, solicited, urged, and demanded that Lita gratify his abnormal, unnatural, perverted, and, and degenerate sexual desires, end quote. According to Lita, Charlie told her while married that, quote, you are my wife, and you have to do what I want you to do, end quote. Listen, I know it was the 1920s, 30s at this time, but that's not the case. They, <laughs> believe it or not, women can make their own decisions and women don't have to do what their husbands tell them, surprisingly enough. And if you're just learning this from this podcast, I'm, I'm really happy to inform you of that. I'm glad that I can provide that service for you. While this divorce was going on, Lita apparently threatened to reveal the names of six actresses who Charlie had slept with during their marriage, and many of those actresses were married as well. So again, Charlie not only is having this erratic behavior, but 
as with his marriage with Mildred, I think it was, he's sleeping with other women while he's married. And they're pretty prominent women, actresses, so, I mean, regardless of if they're prominent or not, maybe don't cheat on someone if you're married, just get a divorce, but yeah. So she was like, hey, Charlie, if you don't get me what I want in this divorce, here are these names that I'm going to reveal that you slept with them. Lita was awarded $625,000 with a $200,000 trust fund for their sons, which at the time was the largest divorce settlement in American history. So you know what, Lita? Good job. Get that money. At this point, Charlie's reputation was pretty badly damaged. However, he went back to work and he was ready for love again. <laughs> he met Paulette Goddard, who told him that she was 17, which was a lie. She was 22. However, because his past child marriages had worked out so well, he decided that it wouldn't be an issue to marry a 17-year-old who was actually 22. So, I mean, he didn't know that she was actually 22. He was like, oh, 17 years old? Sounds like a perfect age to marry. Let's get it going. Woohoo, Charlie, what is going on? She moved into his mansion and started acting in his, mo in his movie called Modern Times. He was apparently pretty controlling of her on set and somewhat abusive. For example, she once showed up to the movie set in full makeup on her first day of shooting. He looked at her, said that wasn't going to work. He told her to take off her shoes, change her suit, and then remove her makeup, which, I mean, okay, whatever, maybe a little aggressive, but then he threw a bucket of cold water on her. What for? Who knows? I don't know. But throwing a bucket of water on someone? Not cool. Going forward, there were instances of her being bullied by him on set, and she left him in 1940. Last up in his history of relationships is Una O'Neill, and this was apparently true love, which... Uh, okay, cool. This information comes from charliechaplin.com from an article titled Charlie Chaplin's Wives. When they met in 1943, Charlie was 53 and Una was 18. I guess good that she's an adult. Age difference, for me personally, that's a little much, like for myself, but if, that, if they were both comfortable with that age difference, they're both adults, so cool beans, maybe, question mark. I don't know. And they eventually made their home in Switzerland where they had eight children together, so... From what I could find, uh, they were together the rest of Charlie's life, so it really did seem like this was a better relationship. I, <laughs> They had eight children together, they were together for a long time, there was that age difference, but it seemed to be working out okay. Charlie, as we can see, does not have a very good pattern of treating women like he was abusive, he cheated on women, it just not good. And from what I could find, it seemed like his last relationship was okay, but there's a long history of mistreatment, abuse, cheating, not good stuff. One other interesting thing I learned is Charlie Chaplin was basically exiled from the United States, which <laughs> I, I kind of blew my mind. I was like, what? Part of this information comes from an American Bar Association article written by <laughs> Alan P. His last name is P-U-S-E-Y, and I can't imagine any other way to say it than Pusey? Pus 
<laughs> Pussy, I, I don't know. But Alan, thank you for the article. And your last name, I hope there's a pronunciation that you are happy with in your life. As we might remember, Charlie Chaplin was born in London, and Charlie had never relinquished his British citizenship. And the Attorney General of the United States at the time, he waited until Charlie was on a ship sailing to London, so this was in the 1950s, when he announced that Charlie would be detained and questioned upon his return. Quote, the purpose was to determine, as for any new immigrant, whether the internationally known comedian, 63, had the physical fitness, sound mind, and good morals worthy of admittance of his home of 40 years, end quote. This was a big, big move after a long campaign against him. From a Medium article written by Lauren Cantor, Charlie Chaplin was considered by many at the time during his career as a possible communist, which, not great for the time at all, the Red Scare. He was a big supporter of FDR's New Deal, and during World War II, he supported Soviet-American friendship groups. He attended functions with Soviet diplomats in Los Angeles, and he had friends in Germany who openly professed pro-communist views. The FBI launched, launched an investigation into Charlie Chaplin in 1947 and leaked stories to gossip columnists that defamed Charlie, which, FBI, that's some dirty, dirty work right there. Congress viewed the film Modern Times, and after viewing it, were convinced that Charlie Chaplin was a communist, which, okay, I just wonder how this all went down. Did every one of the members of Congress all pile into the House chamber and they were like, Now screening Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times movie. And they all watched it and they were like, All right, let's take a vote. Who thinks good old Charlie is a communist? And they all raised their hand or pushed their buttons or whatever they do in the 1940s. <laughs> like, I know there was a Red Scare going on. World War II had just ended, but... Was that really the best way to determine someone was a communist? I mean, the ways that they were determining it back then were horrible and a lot of bad treatment to people who they deemed as communist, but was really Congress watching a movie and I, whatever. It just seems ridiculous to me that Congress spent their time doing that instead of probably a bunch of other important things that they could have been doing at the time. Many people in Congress wanted him deported. A congressman from Mississippi said that, quote, Chaplin has refused to become an American citizen. His very life in Hollywood is detrimental to the moral fabric of America. He should be deported and gotten rid of at once, end quote. I, the moral fabric of America, okay. Why don't you hop off that train there, buddy boy? <laughs> We won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, Charlie said, quote, Although I am not a communist, I refuse to fall in line by hating them, talking about communists. And he was also very critical of the U.S. government after Hiroshima, saying, quote, Mass killing through weapons of mass destruction, end quote, was unjustified. So even though Charlie Chaplin's treatment and beliefs of women, presumably from his actions, are disgusting. I can get on board with that quote. Killing through ma mass killings through weapons of mass destruction, not cool. Charlie, I agree with you on that point. 
The FBI's file on Charlie Chaplin was 1,900 pages, so again, it wasn't like they were just doing a little investigation. There was a lot going on there. Going back to Charlie on the ship, if he were to return, he would have had to go through an interview process to come back, which, in reality, it wouldn't have been that difficult for him to come back, but Charlie just decided to cut ties with the United States, and his last major film was made in 1957 and was titled A King in New York. He's in Switzerland with his wife and his family, starting, he was just like, you know what, homies, you want me, you think I'm a communist, you say I'm not moral, yada yada, I'm basically being exiled, like, yes, I can come back, I have to go through this interview process, but this interview process is ridiculous, screw you, I'm peacing out. So he just went to Switzerland with his wife and lived his, lived his life, cool beans, did all that good stuff. In 1972, the Academy of Motion Pictures gave Charlie Chaplin an honorary award for lifetime contribution to film. J. Edgar Hoover, so big FBI person, he was very much against Charlie Chaplin coming back into the country, but Charlie came back for the first time in 20 years, and at that ceremony, he received a 12-minute standing ovation at the Oscars. Okay, so after he received that award and that standing ovation, five years later in 1977, he passed away from a stroke in his sleep. And then about a year after his death, interestingly, his coffin was dug up and stolen. They tried to extort his wife, Una, but she wasn't having it. She was like, you want to extort me? No, homies, not today. The people who stole his coffin were caught and the coffin was found and he was reburied and is currently buried in Vevey, Switzerland. And that concludes the Hollywood scandal of Charlie Chaplin. My closing thoughts on this are I it I am curious. I wish there could be um, maybe there is, but who knows. I would be interested to see how a child seeing their parent involved in sex work influences their views on the gender of the parent. Does that justify Charlie's treatment of women? Absolutely not, but I am curious to know how that impacted his view of women growing up and how that impacted his relationship. It almost seemed like, I mean, my personal opinion on it is it kind of seemed like Charlie viewed women as objects that he wanted for his pleasure. To me, seemed kind of evident from his relationships who knows how he truly thought about it, but I mean, his one quote saying that his ideal woman, woman loved him, but he didn't love her, I think that says a lot. Alrighty, that wraps up my closing thoughts on this, and now for the personal scandal, I asked what was like a workplace scandal that you wanted to tell people about, and someone responded with, my mom works for a charity, and one guy in her department was, fire- was fired for embezzling funds embezzling funds from a freaking charity. That money could have fed the homeless people or given a kid their first book. The guy should be in jail, but they just politely asked him to resign. I hate, 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 hate when companies do that. When someone very clearly does something wrong and instead of holding them accountable, the worst punishment they get is just, is like, not even being fired is just, you know what, if you resign, we won't say anything, you can move on and have your life. No, this person embezzled money from a charity, 
and they just let him resign. I think if you're going to embezzle from anybody, you should have legal consequences, but especially a charity that's trying to do good work. What? Ugh. I j Ugh. Frustrating. And on that fun closing note, thank you so much for listening. If you want to keep up with the latest, stay in touch on social media. Like I said, I'm going to post pictures of Charlie Chaplin and then some of the women he was married to slash dated on Instagram at Scandal101Podcast, on Twitter at Scandal101Pod, on Facebook, search Scandal101Podcast. You'll find the page there. Our website is Scandal101Podcast.Podbean.com and I post the show notes that I used for this episode. And then the email, if you want to send in your personal scandal, please send that to scandal101podcast at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It seems like a lot of people liked the last Hollywood episode, so I thought I would do another one, and this was super fun to research. And yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I will, I every, every day, or every day, every time, I'll see you next week. Not the case. I will put out a new episode next week. This has been episode 27 of Scandal 101.